Well, good morning. Uh, Next Sunday, we're going to begin a new sermon series from the Gospel of John. We're entitling it Answering Jesus. We're going to look at six accounts, uh, John 3 through John 9. We're going to take a chapter a week. And we're going to look at six accounts of Jesus' conversations with various people. And in each of those chapters, uh, there's, there's a question that Jesus is really asking. Sometimes the question is very explicit. Do you want to be made well? Sometimes the question is implicit. Are you going to let me satisfy the deepest hunger of your soul? And so we trust this will be a rich uh, sermon series. Uh, so read John 3 next week for next week if, if you're able. But this morning we're going to celebrate the near completion. It's not totally completed, but the near completion of phase two of our making room effort. And uh, the, the core idea behind making room is the idea that we need to make room not only in our facilities, but also make room in our lives for the things that are dear to God. And so today we're going to actually dedicate ourselves. We're going to dedicate ourselves to what God wants to do. We're going to dedicate this facility to what God wants to do. We've got some, uh, some photos to show you, just let you know what we've got. It's an 8,000 square foot building out here to the north. There's the exterior shot. Next, we have the foyer. It's pretty riveting, isn't it? We, uh, we don't have much going on in the foyer yet. It'll be an amazing foyer. Uh, this is on the east side. This is a venue. This is going to be uh, on Sunday morning. It will be a worship venue. During the, We're going to start it at the 930 hour. We don't want any of you to go to that, but people who go to the 930 and 11 o'clock, we want about 100 of them to go down there. Uh, th- we've got 100 seats in there now. It will seat about 150 to 175. There are some times of the year where we have 30 people in the foyer during 9.30. It's not a great worship experience, but we want this to be the preferred worship venue for 150, 175 people. And we'll begin at 9.30. We hope to begin three weeks from today on September the 8th. On the other side, this is a next-gen room, and uh, on Sunday morning, it will be used for middle school. Sunday night, it will be used for high school, and uh, it'll be used for a lot of different things. We have these booths. They're going to be like restaurant booths for Bible study and for conversations. Uh, This is a seating area there on the left. We're just very thankful for this, this space. We feel like it will be used for many different things, both ministries at, at Faith and a lot of different groups. This, just this, this facility will be very uh, desirable for a lot of different groups, ministries in our community, and so we're excited about what, what it will mean. And so after the message and the prayer of dedication, we're going to have an open house down there. Just follow the smell of popcorn. Uh, there's going to be popcorn and snacks and drinks down there. But uh, we'd like for you to see and experience these new spaces Uh, As I said, they're not completed, but you'll get a a good idea for what they're going to be like. And uh, if you have children that are younger children that you need to pick up, we'd ask you to pick those up uh, right after we dismiss. The service is going to be a little bit shorter, but pick them up before you go down there and then join us for that. But today we're going to use 1 Chronicles 29 as kind of a template of our dedication. And this is a chapter in which uh, David and the people, they actually, it's really striking. They stop and they pause and they recognize the generosity that they, not others, but that they have been able to have in funding the building of the temple. And so David got all the resources together after he died, his son David, or his son Solomon, would actually build the temple. And so we're going to use this passage as a template. And of course, a church building is not a temple. 
the people of God, the body of Christ are now the temple of God. We are the place where God dwells. So you do not have to go to a building to worship God. But a church building is analogous to a temple in the sense that it, both were buildings, places where God was to be glorified. And so we're going to first pause and observe how generously we have given in many different, many different ways to this making room effort. And then we're going to look briefly at David's prayer. And there were three core convictions that he prayed. And these core con convictions are going to be the core of our prayer of dedication here this morning as well. So 1 Chronicles 29, in the first nine verses, we see that they, they pause to notice their generosity toward God. And it's interesting, David first recounts how generous he had been in funding the temple. He was a king. He had resources. And so he says, I have given gold, silver, bronze, wood, precious metals, uh, precious stones to the, uh, to the temple. And then he asked the people to give. But he made clear, I don't just want your gold and silver. silver. I want your hearts. I want you to consecrate, set yourself aside, apart for this. And so by their giving, that was to be an expression of their dedication to God. And so verse 9 summarizes how David and the people responded when they noticed how wholeheartedly they had given. We read this, then the people rejoiced because they had offered so willingly, for they made their offering to the Lord with a whole heart. And King David also rejoiced rejoiced greatly. And so I find it significant that they paused to notice their own generosity. If they hadn't noticed that they had given generously, they would have missed an opportunity to rejoice. And so we don't want to miss that, that opportunity here today. It may seem a little weird for us to talk about our generosity, but I think we're going to see in context uh, that, it, that it's incredibly appropriate. And that's the point. We want to find satisfaction in what God has done. Honestly, when I pause and I look at this room and I see how different ones of you have given financially, you've given of your time and expertise, you have volunteered, my heart is just full to overflowing with joy. It, it's a phenomenal thing. First of all, I think about how generously many of you have given your time. So there, there are a lot of people that have worked behind the scenes. Our building committee has been up and running for five years <laughs> five years. There have been 15 people together, some for all of that, most for part of that time. Darren Emery was the chairman of the building committee for three and a half years. Walter Renberg has been the chairman for the past year. Uh, we had people working on the capital campaign. Uh, Gordon Hibbard, uh, Robin Shauna over here, part of that. Uh, we've had people that have been involved in, in all different aspects of it. And it's been a, a complicated process because early on our elders uh, had this conviction that we should, should complete this addition without additional debt, okay? Which means we're going to only spend the money as it comes in or as it's pledged. And, uh, and so it's kind of been a moving target for the building committee, for the architects and, and engineers and people. Uh, and so on behalf of the congregation, I want to say thank you to those of you who have given your time and effort on these committees, these teams. You've given wholeheartedly. You have been patient. Uh, you have persevered. Thank you for that. And today we, we rejoice also because you have given financially 
generously. And it is a big deal when we say, would you give money to a building? Because your money represents your life. You give 40, 50, 60 hours of your week in, in, in exchange for a paycheck. You take some of that money and you give it to a building. That is a big thing because your money represents your life. And so over $1.1 million has been committed to this project, and that will finish it out. That, that will, will furnish it. Over a million of that has already been given. It's already in hand. And so we asked you very directly to seek God about this project and do what he prompts. Thank you for giving generously. Over 200 people uh, and family units have given to this making room effort. And then finally, thank you for volunteering. We have some action shots uh, over the past number of months. Uh, some of you have very generously uh, given your time. There's a picture I have to notice. Okay, here we are on the left side, the west side over there. We actually have a picture of a youth painting and eating a donut. This, <laughs> this is true talent, okay? And so some weekends, there, there's a group of people that have been here for 8, 10, 12 hours on a Saturday. Um, constructing various elements, the booths, the stage, the sound booth, painting, laying carpet, cleaning. Uh, people like Brady Culp, Ben Myers, and Ron Fowles have invested untold hours, have saved us tens of thousands of dollars. And so we are very thankful for that. And so thank you for your generosity. We, we, we need to notice that and rejoice in that. We come to verse 10, and we see that, that there are these three core prayers that David prayed. And these are our prayers this morning. First of all, David acknowledges, God, all riches and honor come from you. And this is the core idea of stewardship. You and I actually permanently own nothing. We come into this world penniless. We leave this world penniless. Everything we have is entrusted to us for a finite amount of time, and it is given to us by God. And so in verse 10 we read, So David blessed the Lord in the sight of, the, of all the assembly, and David said, Blessed are you, O Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory. Notice how he piles up attribute on top of attribute. Yours is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in the heavens and the earth. Yours is the dominion, uh, O Lord, and you exalt yourself as head over all. Okay, verse 12, both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all, and in your hand is power and might, and it lies in your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. And so any riches, any glory, any honor that David and the people had, it came directly from God. If God had not given to them, they would not be able to give back anything. Paul made a similar point in 1 Corinthians 4, 7 when he asked, what do you have that you did not receive? Honestly, what do you have that you did not receive? Nothing, absolutely nothing. Everything we have comes to, from God. And so if God had not given us jobs and income and resources and even the desire to work and the ability to work, uh, we would not be able to give a single thing to this making room effort. If God hadn't given those on all these committees and teams, 
And God hadn't given the volunteers sharp minds, creativity, perseverance, patience, vision, and willing hearts, we would not be celebrating here today. And so we declare, God, all riches and honor come from you. They really do. Secondly, and this really follows from what we just said, in verses 14 through 16, David says, God, our generosity comes from your hand. Our generosity comes from your hand. Look at verse 14. David prays this. He says, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer as generously as this? For all things come from you and from your hand we have given you. And that's striking. From your hand, we've taken from your hand and we have given to you. Look at verse 16. O Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided to build you a house for your holy name, it is from your hand and all is yours. And so I love the way that David connected the dots between God's owner, ownership of all things and their generosity. They say, God, everything, the, the only reason we've been able to be generous is because we have taken from your hand and we have given it back to you. C.S. Lewis puts this principle in perspective when he writes this. He says, it is like a small child going to its father and saying, Daddy, give me six pence to buy you a birthday present. <laughs> Has that ever happened to you? Dad, I need five dollars. I need to buy you a present. And so Lewis says, of course, the father does and is pleased with the child's present. It is all very nice and proper, but only an idiot would think that the father is sixpence to the good in the transaction, right? And so God was not more wealthy when, the, the, when David and the people gave generously everything that they did. And God does not have more resources at his disposal when we give $1.1 million to this effort. He, he loves our generosity. He is pleased with it, but we are only giving to him from his hand. That, that's true of all types of generosity. If you pour out your life on behalf of somebody else, you invest deeply in somebody else, you're being generous to them because God has been generous to you. God has given you a heart to be generous. You know, some of us are, were around in the early 80s when, uh, when this church was starting out, we spent nine years at the chapel of Manhattan Christian College. I can remember when there were, well, I remember there were 15 people, but I can remember when there were 80 or 90 people and our annual budget was $75,000, okay? And in some context, $1.1 million is, is kind of small potatoes. You're talking about NBAF, 1.1 is very small. But when I look at this project and I think about this congregation, Honestly, I say exactly what David said. I said, David, who am I and who are these people that we should be able to offer as generously as this? For everything belongs to you and we have only given to you out of your hand. And so today we declare, God, our generosity comes from your hand. And finally, David prays, continue to give us willing hearts. And I love the way David looks to the future. And we're going to look to the future this morning as well. And David understood that the goal was not merely to get that temple built. Uh, David understood if the hearts of Solomon and the hearts of the people were not fully God's, 
that uh, fully belonged to God, that, that the temple uh, would be just a building. And 200 years later, that was actually the case. Uh, the people took this, this false security in the fact that they had the temple. The temple was actually a liability. They thought, well, we've got the temple. This is where God dwells. Doesn't really matter how we live our lives. But 200 years later, Jeremiah wrote this in Jeremiah 7, 4. He said, do not trust in deceptive words saying, this is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. So don't think that just because you have this temple, this magnificent temple where the glory of God has dwelt, that you don't need to pay attention to your lives and your hearts. And so what David prays in verses 17 through 19 is very significant. He prays that God would continue to draw their hearts to himself. He knew that it is very possible to begin a building project with a very God-centered focus and to slowly, progressively become full of pride and arrogance and self-centeredness. The human heart is prone to wander. Notice what David prayed. First Chronicles 29, we'll look, begin in verse 18. O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers, preserve this forever in the intentions of the heart of your people and direct their heart to you. And give to my son Solomon a perfect heart to keep your commandments, your testimonies, and your statutes, and to do them all, and to build the temple for which I have made provision. And so David prayed to God. He said, God, give, give Solomon, give the people willing hearts that they might love your word and keep your word so that the temple won't be just a building, but it will be a place of worship. It must be a house of prayer for all the nations. And we need to pray the same thing. And we've been talking about this in May, Making Room Phase 1. You may or may not know this, but see where the ceiling goes up right here? That used to be the front wall of the worship center. So we added this, we added the foyer and all, the, all these things out here. But we said all along, we said, what good is a, is a bright, shiny building if our hearts are far, far away from God? And so what good is a, a phenomenal next-gen space. And by the way, this is the first space we've actually designed for youth ministry. We've always said, here's a room. You want to use this or nothing? And so this is a room that we have designed for youth ministry. But what good is, is, is the room like that if we're not passionate about investing deeply in the next generations coming up? If we're not living the type of lives that they will want to emulate? What good is a room like that? What good is a worship venue, a new worship venue with an amazing sound system? Well, what good is it if we're not worshipers? And so we need to pray what David prayed. God, give us willing hearts. As we walk into the future, give us willing hearts. And so we're going to pray now. And uh, I'm going to ask you to, if you're, if you're able, if you would stand, we're going to pray. We're going to consecrate ourselves to God. And after we all say amen, you'll be dismissed. And uh, you can go down to the north end if you need to pick up kids, do that. But if you would stand now as we pray this prayer of, of consecration together. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning with gratitude for what you've done, for what you are doing in our midst. And like David, we rejoice because so many have offered willingly with a whole heart. And we take great satisfaction that so many have given generously, financially, and that so many have given of their time and their talents generously 
both on teams that have discerned what we should build and on work crews that have worked to build and assemble and paint and clean. You have been so generous to us in every way. As your sons and daughters, it's only right that we're generous in these ways also. And God, like David, we confess that all riches and honor come from you and that our generosity comes from your hand. Honestly, Father, every single thing that we have comes from you. All the material resources that we have come from you. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The jobs, the careers that we have are a good gift from you. We are blessed with meaningful work that does good for other people, that meets our, our material needs, and that allows us to give. The desire to be generous comes from you. In ourselves, we are fearful and selfish, but you have given us freedom to be generous. The skill of the architects and engineers and contractors and laborers and many others, it all comes from you. Every good gift comes from you. From your hand, we have given back. We have experienced the truth that it is more blessed to give than to receive. And God, like David, we pray that you would give us willing hearts, hearts that long to serve you and hearts that long to see lives change for eternity. Remind us this, that this wonderful building is useless, that it's actually a liability unless our hearts are fully yours. May we be a people that walks together in humility and in unity. And give us a growing passion to invest deeply in the next generations in our midst. We so long to see boys and girls and young men and women become mighty in the spirit, disciples of Jesus who seek you and serve you for a lifetime. We pray, God, that this new next-gen space would be a space in which upcoming generations experience you in fullness and in power. And Father, we pray that the new worship venue would be a space in which our worship is a sweet, sweet aroma to you. We know that you're seeking after people that worship you in spirit and truth. May we be among those people in this town and in this day. And so, God, we pray all these things in faith, believing that you will answer in power. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, who lives and dwells with you and the Holy Spirit forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen.